If you didn't bring a Bible with you this morning, uh, hold up your hand. The ushers have extra Bibles. We'd be glad to let you use one of ours. And let's all go to 1 Samuel, the second chapter, and Romans, the 13th chapter. 1 Samuel 2, Romans 13. We've been on this uh, series for some weeks now. It's called Honor to Whom Honor. And uh, this is one of our main texts. We saw that Eli and his sons were the ministers over the house of God. And his boys in particular had done bad things. They had uh, stolen the offerings. They were having immoral relationships with people that came. They were just treating the things of God and the services with contempt. And he warned them. To not do that, he warned Eli to stop them, and he did not. And the Bible said uh, in 1 Samuel 2 that uh, he said, You have honored your sons above me. So you've honored your sons above God. Uh, You know, if you know something is wrong, and, and people are doing things wrong that are under you, and it's in your control, and you let it go, you're responsible. He, uh, verse 30, wherefore the Lord God of Israel said, I said indeed that your house and the house of your father should walk before me forever. But now the Lord says, be it far from me for them that honor me, I will honor. And they that despise me shall be lightly esteemed. Say that last phrase out loud with me, please. Them that honor me, I will honor. And they that despise me shall be lightly esteemed. So despising is the exact opposite of honoring. And he he gives us a definition of the word despise. Lightly esteemed. Do we want the the Lord to honor us? Are we interested in this? You should be. You should be. When... uh, other people are losing their cars and their homes and their investments. And not only do you not lose yours, but you're paid everything off and you're doing better than you ever have. That's the Lord honoring you. When other people, uh, you know, die prematurely and, and struggle with disease and accidents and, and your babies are healed and, and your kids are kept and you live a long life and You're not destroyed by accidents. That's the Lord honoring you. Did you know that? And who does he honor? Help me out. He honors those who honor him. What if you honored him more? Well, he would honor you more. What if you honored him a lot more? What if you just came up to a whole nother level of honoring God in your life? Well, then he would bring you up to a whole nother level of things in your life, of him honoring you, taking care of you, promoting you, protecting you, blessing you. And it'd be a witness to people around about you when good things happen for you that didn't happen for them. And they want to say, well, what did you do? And try to give the credit to you. You go, no, the Lord's just good to me. The Lord, oh, I don't care about all that religion stuff. Well, do without. (laughs) (laughs) no we are very interested in his honoring us 
And thereby we should be very interested in us learning how to honor him even more. One of the greatest ways that he honors us is with his presence. Thank you, Lord. You know, we use that in secular things. Somebody said so-and-so, uh, the president of the company or the, the governor or whoever honored us with his presence. They came to our party, came to our event. Well, when God shows up at your event, you've been honored. He's everywhere, but he's not in manifestation to the same degree everywhere. Is it possible that we can initiate a greater manifestation of the presence of God in our midst? Well, if we honor him more, what's he going to do? He's going to honor us more. Go to Romans 13, please. Romans 13th chapter and the 7th verse. Romans 13, 7 says, Render therefore to all their dues. Tribute to whom tribute is due, custom to whom custom, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. Give honor to those to whom honor is due. The God's Word translation says it like this. Pay everyone what you owe them. If you owe taxes, pay them. If you owe tolls, pay them. If you owe someone respect, respect that person. If you owe someone honor, honor that person. Here he compares giving honor and respect to paying taxes or paying a bill or toll that you owe. What should you do if you owe taxes and bills? Pay them. And what should you do with honor and respect? We use that term, pay your respects. Well, you should. And why should you pay your respects? Because you owe it. You owe it. Now, this is a different mentality than the world and people influenced by worldly thinking. When you talk about respect, so many times people immediately think of, well, yeah, you should show me respect. And, uh, and you and demand respect. You will respect me. In my house, you will respect me in my place of business. You're demanding respect. That doesn't work. That's the Lord never told us to do that. Well, you have to respect me. No, they don't have to respect you. They never have to respect you. You see, criminals sometimes say, well, I'll put my pistol in your face and you'll show me some respect. That's not respect. Maybe fear. You might make them do something for fear of losing their life, but it's got nothing to do with them respecting you or honoring you. Don't demand respect. Demonstrate respect. Pay respect. Give respect. If you give the respect, pay the respect that you owe, then you'll also reap the respect that you sowed. Can you see this? And then also when it comes to uh, giving respect, uh, people even in the church sometimes think, well, they haven't earned my respect. You know, you have to earn my respect. Well, no, that's ungodly thinking. The Bible says you owe certain people respect, and that's irrespective of what you feel about it or what you think about it. And they don't have to do anything to earn and merit it. If God says you owe it to them, you owe it to them. Now, you may not be able to appreciate everything that a person over you in some capacity says or does, but you must respect the place, or elsewise you disrespect the God who created the place and put the person in the place. What did the Bible say about your respect and your honor? Pay respect to those whom you're supposed to respect. 
Pay and give honor whom honor is due. We got on this a little bit in first service. I think it will bear repetition. The verse started off by saying if you owe taxes, pay them. If you owe tolls, pay them. If you owe money, if you owe bills, what did the Bible say? Let me go over this again real slow. If you owe somebody some money, what did the Bible say you're supposed to do? Pay them what you owe. Now, a lot of times people will start in, well, yeah, but, and yeah, this, and yeah, that, and, and you know, uh, they did shabby work, and, and then they had to redo it, and then this, and then that, and then the other. Well, take responsibility for your own decisions. Did anybody make you go over there and do business with them? Hmm? Did anybody make you hire them or enter into contract with them? Well, now you got involved and maybe it's gone sour and maybe it's cost you extra money. But you need to be a man. You need to be a woman. You need to be a person of God and take responsibility and realize if I'd have prayed better, if I'd have been better led, I might not even gone to this person to start with. Not even got involved. But I did. So it's as much my fault as it is theirs. Because I could have prayed. I could have been led. So now, no matter what they did wrong, the Bible tells me to pay my obligations. Even if it costs me money, even if the job still ain't done, what do you need to do? Repent for you missing God. Ask God for mercy to give you the money to clear it up and get right. Because at this point, there's something more important than the money. Your witness. Did you hear me? Your witness is more important than the money. And you got a big God. It's it's sad. So many Christians dragging everybody to court and doing all kind of stuff and blaming and well they didn't do this and they didn't do that. What about you? Did anybody make you get into business with them? They make you sign that contract. No, no. You could have prayed. You could have been led and possibly avoided the entire situation. So take responsibility. For your own decisions, for your own goings and doings. And even if you're in a bad situation, it's not time to quit and act like a heathen and pitch a fit and blame everybody. It's time to believe God for his mercy to get you out and to get you out with your witness intact. Come on now, are y'all with me? So money is not everything. People act like it is, but it's not. There's a lot of things more important than money. You know, on one occasion, one of the kings uh, uh, in the Old Testament, uh, he hired a neighboring army to come and fight with him. Huge. Well, you can imagine one nation hiring another nation's military to come help them. You know, what would that be by today's money? Billions, I guess. And anyway, the, uh, uh, the prophet came to him and said, no, you missed it. You should not have hired them. If they go with you, you'll be defeated. And the king said, what am I going to do? What about all the money? That I spent. And this was his answer. He said the Lord is able to give you much more than this. In other words. You missed it. It's gone. Forget about it. Believe for some more. Let me go over that again real slow. (laughs) You missed it. It's gone. Forget about it. Believe for some more. (laughs) We'll try these people over here. (laughs) you missed it it's gone forget about it and what 
believe for some more. There's a lot more where that came from. He said, God is able to give you much more than this. I'm quoting scripture, friends. That was worth you combing your hair and coming coming down here this morning. <laughs> Let's grow up. Let's grow up. Quit blaming everybody for everything. You know, you from the time you get up in the morning to the time you lay your head on the pillow, you're responsible for where you go and what you're doing and who you're involved with and talking to and making decisions. You're responsible. And so many Christians, they don't pray. They never check their heart. They're not led. And then they mess everything up and, and they get in situations where they're taken advantage of and don't realize it's at least as much their responsibility as it is anybody's that they opened themselves up, made themselves vulnerable to it to start with. Do you believe that if you would follow the Lord's leading every hour of every day, he would keep you. He would protect you. You'd be at the right place at the right time with the right people and the right situations would unfold. Do you believe this? We're much more responsible for our own lives than people like to admit. If you owe something, what the Bible say? Help me out. Pay it. Pay it. Quit making excuses. Just believe God. And he'll, he'll be merciful to you. How many can raise a hand and say there have been some situations you messed up on and the Lord helped you get out of it. He helped you he'll bring the money in. You shouldn't have done it. They shouldn't have done it. It was a mess, but he cleared you out. I can lift up both hands and a foot. God is good. He's merciful, merciful, merciful and gracious. We've covered a lot of ground already. In this series on honor to whom honor. And uh, if you haven't been with us. Let me encourage you. Go back in the word supply. Get you a DVD or a CD. It won't cost you anything. If you're uh, not here. You can download it off the internet. In its entirety. The same thing you'd get here at the word supply. No charge. And what does no charge mean? No No excuse for not getting it. So get it. And we've covered a lot of ground. But let me review again briefly. We went back to Genesis. And we saw the origin of dishonor and disrespect. And uh, we saw that you know it didn't come from God. And there was no dishonor and disrespect between God and Adam and Eve in the original uh, creation. But when the devil came on the scene. Immediately he starts questioning God with a disrespectful tone. Yea, has God said? You can hear the spirit of it, can't you? You can discern the the tone and the, the spirit, the, the demeanor of it. And is it something you don't want to have any part of? Do you want to identify all disrespect and dishonor in your life and get it out? Do you? Are you hungry for this? You should be. Because it's devilish. It's the very nature of the enemy. And then, you know, he was questioning. And then uh, uh, when Eve told him what God had said about not eating of the, the fruit of that tree... He contradicted God. He said, no, nah, you won't really die. So disrespectful. And then they uh, let that disrespect influence and infect them. And they totally ignored what God told them to do and just went on and ate of the fruit. Ignoring is disrespectful. And then we saw that when he questioned them, have you eaten the fruit that I told you not? Instead of just repenting and say, yeah, I did. I was stupid. They uh, tried to blame it. Adam tried to blame it on his his wife Eve, and, and then reminded God that he gave her to him. You know, being defensive and deflecting it off of himself onto somebody else. You know, somebody over you asks you a question. Don't start defending yourself. Don't start explaining. 
Answer the question. Show respect. And so the Lord has been emphasizing to us that uh, a whole lot of showing respect and honor is what you don't say and what you don't do. Many times, one of the most respectful things you can do is just not say a word. Hmm? Keep your mouth shut and don't do anything. It's not your place. Nobody asked you. (laughs) Some of the most uh, respectful, honoring things have to do with what you don't say and what you don't do. Now, we've been covering five eyes of disrespect. Five words that start with I. And let's review a little bit more. Anybody remember the first one? We've already talked about it. Ignoring. Ignoring. Remember, he said, those that despise me will be lightly esteemed. There's a catch word that's popular today, particularly it was popular a few years back with teenagers. Whatever. Have you heard that before? Whatever. Well, Whatever. Whatever. This is disrespect. Isn't it? It, Here's two simple words. What does it mean to honor? Uh, There's a number of words that's used uh, from the original language. But I've come on this one word the more I look at it. Value. To honor something or someone means you value them. You esteem them. And when you say whatever, what does that mean? No big deal. No no value. Nah, it doesn't mean anything. Doesn't matter. Well, yeah, some things matter. Hmm? And we live in a society that is suffering from the rebellion zone in the 50s and 60s. And now we've got sometimes third generation that have grown up with no honor, no respect understanding in these areas and just say and do the most disrespectful stuff and act like they don't even see it. Nothing's important. Nothing's to be valued and honored. But it's not true. God should be honored. His things should be honored. His words should be honored. His spirit, His people should be held in the highest esteem. We should make a very big deal out of His things. You know, the Lord has honored us here at this church. We're a relatively young church, but we're blessed. And we have some strength. And we've been able to do some projects and do some things. Giving us a fine facility and a bunch of land and cameras and equipment and aircraft. And I mean, all kind of stuff. But I'm convinced one of the reasons is, has he honored us? Well, obviously, he was able to help us to honor him to some degree. Because he honors those that honor him. And I know one of the things is that, you know, to me, to Phyllis, to our staff, and then a lot of you that have been with us for some time and others that are coming into this, the things of God are very important to us. This is not a side thing with us. Hmm? The Word of God is not just another book. Service time is not just something else on our weekly calendar. Praising God is not just another song. We don't tithe and give offerings like paying another bill. 
And can we come to a whole nother level in this? Can God bring us to a whole nother level that, oh, we so value and so esteem the Word of God and everything God would say to us and the Holy Spirit and everything He would do in our midst. And we value each other and we value every day God gives us to live and we value every opportunity. We become people of honor. And we conduct ourselves by treating these things with the appropriate values. And what will happen? Tell me what will happen. God will treat us and our time like it's important. I know uh, 20 some years ago, I was in a little, <laughs> little tight place praying one day. I won't give you any more detail, but. I was didn't have resources and didn't you know no not money not invitations not opportunities about thirty years ago I guess and uh, and I thought man if I if I had some money if I had a way of traveling if I had uh, you know to do something more and and I thought well that's what I need I need resources and I need opportunities and and the Lord spoke to my heart I don't mean I heard a voice but He said no it's not what you need. He said, I got all that. <laughs> Does he? He said, I could, I could, without lifting my finger, I can give you more places to preach than you get to in a lifetime. I can give you more money, more equipment, more people to help you just without waving my hand. Is it true or not? <laughs> he said, that's not what you need. I thought, boy, sure, I thought, I thought that's what I need. <laughs> but he's right, isn't he? And this is what he said to me. He said, if your time becomes important to me, I will, I will help you redeem it. What does that mean? When I get up in the morning, my time is doing his stuff. Hmm? My mind, my time, I esteem his kingdom, his gospel, his people, his things to be the most important thing going on on the planet today and in my life today and my time and my planning and my thinking and my physical energy goes for that, then he said, he's saying, I'll get involved with you because you and your thinking and your time has become important to me. Oh, come on, can you see this? And right after that, he gave me some computers and he gave me some resources and he gave me some partners. And I thought, okay, all right. I've got to become more important in what I'm doing to him. I'm getting funny looks all across the room. Is this not our text? What happens if you, if you think concerning the kingdom of God and the church and the gospel, whatever? Hmm? then you're despising his things, and what about your things? They're going to be lightly esteemed. Your stuff is going to be treated as trivial and insignificant and unimportant. Well, unimportant stuff doesn't need to be supported. Doesn't need money, doesn't need help. Why do you need millions of dollars to lay on the couch and watch TV? Why do you need cameras and buildings and aircraft, you know, to be a couch potato? You don't. (laughs) <laughs> you know why should God 
quicken you and heal you and fill you full of ideas and energy and bring thousands of people to help you to sin so you can sin. But if your time becomes important to him, when you want what he wants, come on now. When you want what he wants, for the same reasons he wants it, you become unstoppable. God is with you. And if he's with you, who can be against you? Who can stop you? Who can hold you back? Who can shut you down? Looks like we need to camp on this some more, doesn't it? (laughs) We, We may not like to think about it, but a whole lot of people, what they're doing is just not very important. To God, to his things, it just really doesn't matter. So why do they need all this help and, and resource? But every one of us is put here for a purpose. Every one of us, have, we talked about this for months, didn't we? Graces and places. Every one of us have graces and anointings. and get, Whether we've developed them or not, whether we've acknowledged them or not, they're there and they're opportunities. And I'm telling you, friend, you, you, not somebody else, you, your life can become much more significant to the kingdom than it is right now. If you're willing to leave some old stuff behind and to step out by faith into the unknown, oh, it's kind of (laughs) exciting. Leaving your security blanket and stepping out into where, what, how are we going to do it? Hey, that is the most exciting thing you'll ever do. It's called walking by faith. You ought to check it out. (laughs) And it is how God will bring you into a place where you become much greater and more than you have ever been. And and your life matters more than it ever has. And God is using you to help people. And you don't have to be a preacher now. You don't have to be a preacher. You don't have to be a pastor. There are myriad of places all over the body of Christ where, uh, and, and you have something in you. Already, that if you'll just yield to God, he will use it to help people. And the more important your time becomes, come on, think about it now. Think about it. Could God pay all your stuff off Hmm? so that you're not having to work for a living? And then you got all kind of time freed up now. Could he give you equipment and resources and opportunity? If your time became important enough to him, he'll do that. What did I just get through saying? If you honor him, he'll honor you. I didn't intend to get in that this morning, but we did. I can testify. I, Phyllis and I, little, you know, country people, no education, no background. Nobody that we knew that had any money or resources or political or religious influence at all. And we stepped out basically with the clothes on our back. And uh, God had mercy on us. And I'm talking about praying in the floor that day. When I saw that, I thought, okay, I'm not waiting on God. He told me if if my life, if, if my focus became important to him, he would help me. He'd give me all the equipment and money and everything I'd ever need if what I'm doing becomes important enough to him. And I'm telling you, he did. He brought me up. He delivered us where we didn't have to, uh, you know, work multiple secular jobs just to pay our bills. And then he added this to us. Then he added that to us. And, and now 
You know, I'm preaching the one time, but it is the multiple of going all over. You know, you heard these countries, Vietnam, Afghanistan. I mean, this is going live uh, in maybe 80 countries right now, right now, up to that much. And then also people will download this and glory to God. Has the Lord helped me to get more done? Well, obviously, we were able to make some changes. Do you know he's no respecter of persons? He's no respecter of persons. If your time and your life and your efforts become significant to him by honoring him, what's he going to do? Help me out. He's going to honor you by giving you opportunities you've never had. Oh, come on now. By raising up people to help you that you've never had. By giving you equipment and money and things that will redeem your time. That you can accomplish the same in a half a day that it used to take you a month. Are you listening now saints? Do you believe this or not? Tell me what it's tied to. You learning how to honor him more than you ever have before. Are you hungry to learn more then? Well, we, the Lord gave us five eyes of disrespect. I didn't say this is the five eyes or the only five eyes. It's the five eyes I know about right now. What were they? Help me out. Remind me. Ignoring, we've already talked about. What was the second one? Interrupting. The Bible said don't, don't answer a matter before you hear it. It's foolish. One translation says you embarrass yourself. Uh, surely you can let somebody finish their sentence, finish their thought, show respect. Don't interrupt. And that's not just interrupting conversation. There are lots of ways to interrupt. What was the third one? Intruding. The Bible said don't put your, uh, yourself forth. Wait until you're invited. Don't take the best and high seat and, and presume uh, wait until you're invited. And, and situation after situation, we should ask ourselves, who invited us? Who asked us in? Now, you know, to it's uh, haughty and, and proud to think that everybody, of course, wants my input. <laughs> well, sure, everybody wants my advice. Everybody wants me involved, believe me. Well, who are you? Who are you that everybody is just going to be thrilled to have your input? It just ain't so. <laughs> Let's get some mind renewal. <laughs> Not everybody's ready for you. <laughs> Did you know this? <laughs> uh-uh. No. There are people that absolutely don't want you to open your mouth. (laughs) And they're not just saying it. They really mean it. They don't want to hear what you've got to say. (laughs) Well, they need to hear it. So they're going to hear it. I'm going to, you know, because I I know they need it. Whether they got enough sense to know they need it or not. So I'm going to tell them, so you are not like the Lord. You're different from him. Because he's not that way. He said, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man will open to me, I'll come in. What if you don't open to him? He won't. If anybody had a right 
to push in on somebody and make them receive something. It is the Lord. And certainly he knows that people need to be saved. And if he's going to do anything, he would push right in and say, look, I know you don't want it now, but later on you're going to thank me because you need this. You gotta, <laughs> you'll be lost. But he, even in something that serious, he does not. He respects that person's uh, right to choose to reject him or to not ask him in. And that is your example. That is my example. No matter what you see, what you know, how much people need what you know and what you can do, that is not all that matters. Did they invite you? Did they ask you in? If they haven't given you place, then you are not to just push in. What was the fourth one? Anybody remember? Interfering. A lot of times people intrude and then they stay to interfere. Interfering. Again, who, who asked you to get involved? You know, uh, we, we, hear, we hear the term respect people's privacy. How do you do that? What does that mean? Well, it means there are lines you don't cross. There's that which is their space, their life, their area. You know, uh, not everybody likes for you to talk to them with your nose two inches from their face. <laughs> You should see some of the looks I'm getting across the face. That's right. (laughs) Respect their personal space. You go into their house, don't start moving their furniture. Don't straighten their pictures. I don't care how crooked they are. It ain't your picture. Yeah, but it's got some dust. Keep your hand off of it. It's not yours. Don't you go in the kitchen and start pulling out their stuff and doing things. Well, yeah, but you know, I've been doing this for 30 years, 40 years, 50 years. Well, whoop de doo This ain't your house. This is not your stuff. I don't care if you've written nine cookbooks and got your own cooking show. This is not your kitchen. Show some respect. If you're not asked, stay out. Remember Peter uh, talking to Jesus and Jesus telling him how he was going to glorify God in his death. And then Peter looks over and says, well, what about John? What's going to happen to him? And Jesus looked at him and said, if I want him to live till I come back. Now, Now think about what he's saying. This is, you can tell Peter asked the wrong question, didn't he? He messed up. Jesus said, if I want him to stay till I come back, what is that to you? You follow me. We need to realize, saints, there's a whole lot of stuff in this world, in this life, that's just nothing to us. It is nothing to us. We are to stay out of it. We're not to offer our opinion. We're not to jump in and get involved. It is nothing to us. And in doing so, we will show respect. And I think you'll find a lot of times, if you're respectful like that, People will so appreciate it, they will ask you to get involved. I found that to be the case many times. That people have, uh, you know, they've asked, because I didn't jump in when somebody else did, they didn't want them in, and they came and asked me, would I? What's the fifth one? Anybody remember? Turn with me to, uh, I believe it's 2 Timothy. Everybody okay in here today? <laughs> 
2 Timothy, the third chapter. You know, if the Lord's feeding you something besides just milk, that ought to excite you a little bit. It means that you've grown some, that you can take some other things. The thing about meat is you have to chew on it, don't you? And so I know some of these things we're touching on now, you you don't just swallow it. If you do, you might choke. You have to go, oh, let me chew on that a little bit. And, oh, boy. Yep. But the more you chew, the more flavor you get out of it. Right? And it's this solid food that really gives you some of the greatest strength and, and does something for you, doesn't it? In uh, 2 Timothy, the third chapter and the first verse, this is the God's Word translation. It says, you must understand this. In the last days, there will be violent periods of time. Uh, People will be selfish and love money. They'll brag and be arrogant and use abusive language. Now, this fifth one we're saying that is, is showing disrespect is insulting. And this is part of the insulting, using abusive language. They will curse their parents curse their parents and show no gratitude. Now let's just stop right here. Why would a child curse their parents? Well, you know, parents can do some bad stuff. They're human beings. But this is one of those cases where you owe them respect. Not by right of what they have merited or earned By right of the fact that God chose them out of all the billions on the planet to be your mom or dad. And you owe them. Everybody say owe them. No matter how they act. You owe them respect. And you may not be able to appreciate everything they say or do. But you owe them respect. And how many understand that respect would include never cursing them. No matter what happened or they said or did. They'll curse their parents. They'll show no gratitude. And have no respect for what is holy. Can you see a recurring theme through this? And what this is is the influence of the devil. God is the God of honor. He's the God of glory. Those two words are used interchangeably sometimes. The God of glory, the God of honor. God is, what is honor? It's valuing. God is the God of valuing. Well, by contrast, the devil is the devaluer. He's the demeanor, the debaser. That's why he's involved in such language and and cursing and, and no respect. Keep reading. They'll lack normal affection for their families. They'll refuse to make peace with anyone. They will be slanderous, slanderous, lack self-control, be brutal, and have no love for what is good. They'll be traitors, they'll be reckless and conceited, and they'll love pleasure rather than God. Now you notice three different references to insulting, disrespectful language, cursing and slander. Now, every every Christian basically knows cussing is a bad thing, that Christians ought not cuss. Hmm? But what's wrong with it? What's wrong with cussing? A 
lot of people are just religious about it. They hear four-letter words and names, and uh, they think, uh, oh, you know, that's so bad, that's so bad, they ought not do that, that's bad. You know, what's wrong with it? What makes it bad? And a lot of times Christians are cussing too, just not in church. You know, they hit their finger with a hammer or stump their toe, and boy, some select words come out. And go, oh, oh, I'm, I'm sorry, oh, oh. Well, you shouldn't be as sorry that somebody heard you. You should be troubled that that was in you. To come out. Because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Now, one thing we got to watch is that the way you get full of something is by hearing it, hearing it. Seeing it, thinking it, talking it, but hearing it. You can get full of the word by hearing the word. Well, man, there's cussing all over the place. Basically every TV show and commercials and and some words you would have never heard in public 20, 30 years ago. It's commonplace now. People say these words like they're nothing. And then folks look at you like, well, what's the big deal? You know, it's just a blankety blank. It's just words. But see, this is an indication of how people have fallen from the honor of God. Nothing is sacred. Nothing is to be referred to with value or respect. But what's going on is that people are making an effort to debase and devalue a thing or a person. And it is the very nature and language of the devil himself. Come on, now think about it. When somebody, a lot of times it's when people get mad, they get hurt, they get upset, and they go into this rant. You blankety blank. You sorry blank. You the sorriest, lowest, blankety blank, blankety blank, blankety blank. What are they trying to do? They are making an intense effort to do something. What? What are they trying to do? They're trying to devalue, debase, demean. It's the exact opposite of honor. It's one of the most disrespectful, dishonoring things you could ever do. The devil knows more than most Christians do the importance of words. God created everything with his words, didn't he? The concept for all creation was inside him. And he chose words and filled them with faith and life and said, light be. And as he said it and released it through his words, it came into existence. And the amazing thing is that you and I have been created In his likeness and image. And a big part of that. Is we have been made. Speaking spirits. Oh. It's an awesome privilege. We can choose. Any words we want. No animal. No being on the planet. Has this ability. I think there's a disservice. That's been happening for some time. And it's considered an innocent thing. But with the um, 
animated movies and the cartoons and the storybooks, you got all these animals talking. You say, what's wrong with that? A lot. Animals don't talk. And kids can imagine and attribute human characteristics to animals. And then it's a short leap from there that we're just an animal. Like a sheep or a goat or, you know, if they could talk, they would say that you have no idea what your dog's thinking. It's probably about something to eat. 98% of the time. (laughs) And all these people imagining and, and giving all these human qualities to these animals and that they can speak and talk and do all this stuff. No, no. We are in a totally different class of being. We're made in the image and likeness of God and we can choose words. Well, uh, I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit. Go to Proverbs. Proverbs, the 10th chapter, please. Basically, it, it's an interesting thing. If you look up the word profanity in the English dictionary, it says that it is irreverence. Irreverence, which is disrespect, dishonor. Cussing is basically disrespect. Proverbs 10, verse 18. He that hides hatred with lying lips, and he that utters a slander, is a fool. Slandering, reviling, cursing is the language of fools. Are you a fool? Hmm? Then if you're not, this stuff will not be in your mouth. This slandering, this language called... Look at the 12th chapter of Proverbs, just over a page or two. Proverbs 12 and 18. It says, There is that speaks like the piercings of a sword, but the tongue of the wise is health. Should we... Get our minds renewed to the importance and power of our words. Listen to some other translations of this. The basic English says, There are some whose uncontrolled talk. Everybody say uncontrolled. Uncontrolled Uncontrolled talk is like the wounds of a sword, but the tongue of the wise makes one well again. Complete Jewish Bible says idle talk. And if you look up the word idle, it means reckless, thoughtless, rash. Now, do you remember anything being said about idle words in the New Testament? Jesus talking about idle words. This is what he's talking about right here. Can pierce like a sword. Well, what does a sword do? Hmm? You take a blade, sharp sword, and I I stick it in Jim here. It pierces into him, cuts him. The Bible said words can do that. True or not? Can words pierce like a sword? Words can kill and words can make alive. Words can hurt and words can heal. There's been more than one occasion in the Bible where prophets prophesied and people fell dead. They heard the words and they died. There's been other times when words were spoken and people came right out of the coffin. Came right out of the tomb. Words. 
The world is oblivious to this. And most of the church. But you don't have to be. Sit out loud. Life and death. death Is in the power of the tongue. tongue. My words. words Matter. matter. Do they? Can you just talk recklessly. And thoughtlessly. No. People do. And then they see the aftermath and the damage and they're like oh I'm sorry I'm sorry (laughs) well that'd be like me getting a new sword and I mean it's razor sharp but I just get mad I get so mad I don't know what I'm doing and I just start thinking that thing around and and I cut you and I cut you and I stick you and I and and, and I and I look up and I kind of come to myself and calm down a little bit and I go oh you're bleeding you're missing a finger you're missing an ear. Your your face is cut open. And I'm going, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to. Yeah, but you're still cut. And it's my fault. I'm the one swinging the blade. It is not okay for you or I ever to go off into some mad, hurt rant. And say all manner of demeaning and hurtful things and then go, oh, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I didn't mean to. I'm sorry. No. That's what the Bible is saying. For every idle word, you will give an account. That's what Jesus said. That's what he's talking about. Idle comes back right to these verses. Use the same word. Reckless, thoughtless, piercing words. But think about this. The tongue of the wise does what? Brings healing. Now what is wisdom? Wisdom looks ahead and wisdom is choosing words to accomplish a desired effect come on can you see this you're not just talking and ranting and raving you're speaking on purpose to accomplish a definite thing and the bible says when you speak words like that of life and wisdom it can actually heal people just like the other can hurt people this can heal people Friend, this is a wonderful thing. I said, this is a wonderful thing. Think about it. God can have his hand on you if you'll yield to this to such a degree that you always have the right word at the right time. Somebody can be down and they can be hurting and God will give you words like apples of gold in pictures of silver. They are the perfect word for the situation and you say it with the right tone and faith. I've had the Lord use me this way before with other ministers, with my own people uh, and, and they were hurting and they didn't know what to do and they're at the end of the rope and I didn't know what to do but the Lord gave me the words. He gave them to me and I knew when he gave them to me they were beyond me, they were bigger than me and I thought glory to God this will do it. Thank you Lord. And I shared it with them and I could just see the pressure coming out of their face. I could just see instead of crying they wiped their tears and even begin to laugh and victory began to come back in them. Isn't that better than piercing like a sword? Can God give you words that'll build people up, that'll make them strong, that'll give them love, joy, peace, long suffering, all the fruit of the Spirit? Can God use your mouth? Let's make up our mind. In fact, let's just say it out loud. I will not let my mouth, let my words be used by the devil to slander people, to hurt people, to devalue people. But I say, Lord, speak through me 
give me words that will encourage, that will strengthen, that will help, that will heal, that will make strong and bring victory. Words of life. Hallelujah. Glory to God. That's who you are. You're a child of light. You're a child of life. A child of God. When he speaks, life comes. You are your father's child. When you speak, life comes. Whew. Go to Matthew, how about it? Fifth chapter. Now we saw last week, if you were here, we looked at uh, two or three references to the slanderous talk. And saw that it can bring judgment. You remember we saw uh, the, the, the leader with his 50 come to get the prophet. And said, man of God, get down here. He said, well, if I'm a man of God, let fire come down and consume you and your 50. Whew, burn them up. And the second bunch, even more irreverent and disrespectful. You man of God, the king says, get down here now. He said, well, if I am a man of God, let fire come down. Burn you up in your fish. Did this really happen or not? It did. It's in the Bible. How many know running your mouth can cost you? The third one came and he knelt down. There's 102 guys burn up recently. Same spot he was standing in. He said, oh, man of God. How many think he said man of God in a different way than the previous, oh, man of God. <laughs> Let my life and the life of these men be valuable, precious in your sight. And don't let happen to us what happened to these others. And the angel of the Lord told him, go with him. And they were spared. This is such a perfect illustration of our uh, text. These others showed disrespect where their, their lives were treated as insignificant and burn up in a moment. These men, this leader, he showed respect and treated the man of God as important and asked him to let their lives have some importance in his eyes, and it did. When you show honor, you receive honor. You treat with contempt, you will be treated with contempt. I think the other side of this is what people haven't seen. You treat things as unimportant and insignificant, your things are going to be treated as insignificant. And unimportant. And then we saw those uh, youths yelling at uh, the man of God. Old baldy. Old no hair. Get on out of here. They're talking about the man of God that stands at the forefront of the prophet's ministry in the whole earth. And did you know the Bible said two she-bears came out of the woods and tore 42 of them. Mauled 42 of them. I didn't notice that until just recently. 42? There was a mob of insult hurling adolescents out there. 42? There must have been more than 42. I guess there's some 50 plus obscenity yelling youths. And the Lord just didn't stand for it. He didn't allow for it. So this kind of disrespect can bring judgment. 
When Ananias and Sapphira stood up and lied to, in Peter's face, how many of that's about as disrespectful as you can be? To look somebody in the eye and lie to them? Try to deceive them? Well, they fell dead right on the spot. That's New Testament, isn't it? And we talked about, well, why don't we see more things like that today? I mean, not that you're wanting to, but why, why don't we see? I mean, fire falling out of the sky, burning up people, people just falling dead. Did it really happen or not? Yeah. It did. Well, why don't we see more? The Bible said judgment must first begin at the house of God. We made the comment, if it did come in full measure, how much of the church would we lose before people got a handle on it? I want us to be ready. <laughs> How about you? I, I don't want to lose much of my church. I want, I, I want the power of God to be cranked way up in the earth. And I want us to have enough sense to know how to speak reverently. And to respond with proper honor and respect so judgment does not come. Notice in Matthew 5. Are you there? Can you take a little bit more? Matthew 5 and 22, Jesus said this. Jesus said, whoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. Now notice that you're angry with your brother without a cause. There's no reason for you to be angry with your brother and yet you are. Why would somebody be angry with somebody else? And there's no cause. Well, there's all kind of reasons. You ever seen somebody talk bad to a person and show out in a situation because they were embarrassed? Or because their pride was hurt some way or another? And the person, other person hadn't done a thing. They just took it out on them because they felt bad or embarrassed or insecure or whatever. And he said, whoever shall say to his brother, Rekha shall be in danger of the council, but whoever shall say, thou fool, shall be in danger, didn't say he would go directly to hell, said he was in danger of hell fire. Now this is very, very serious. What's he talking about? Listen to the Amplified. I think it it really brings out some light here. He said, whoever speaks contemptuously and insultingly to his brother, shall be liable to and unable to escape the punishment imposed by the the council. And whoever says, you cursed fool, you empty-headed idiot, shall be liable to and unable to escape the hell of fire. This epitomizes what we've been endeavoring to express all morning. Why would you say that to your brother? What are you trying to do? You empty-headed, good-for-nothing, worthless piece of flesh. You blankety-blank. What are you trying to do? What are you trying to do? Why would you say anything like this to anybody, especially a brother? Why? You are endeavoring to demean them, to devalue them, and you're trying to convince them that they are worthless, and failures and idiots. And he says you're in danger of hell fire. Jesus the master said this. Why? Because friend if you're talking like that. You are absolutely yielding to the devil. He's talking through you. Did you hear this friends? Because there's no way God. Wants to try to convince one of his children. That they're worthless. 
Because they are not, they're anything but worthless to him. They are worth more than all the gold, all the silver, all the mountains, all the oceans, all the planets. Jesus didn't die for the earth. Hmm? This green religion is a substitute for the worship of God. It's described in Romans, it is worshiping the creation more than the creator. There is no such thing as mother nature. Doesn't exist. Jesus didn't die for the mountains or the jungles or the oceans. Mr. You don't you don't believe in global warming? I believe in global melting. <laughs> I believe it more than they do. Melting. <laughs> so you don't believe in saving the planet. The planet cannot be saved. The planet is dying. Same thing that's happening to your body is happening to the planet. It's just taking it longer. And this planet is not going to be saved. The Bible said that the elements are going to melt with fervent heat. Nothing on this planet is going to survive. God's going to fix it. He's going to create a new heavens and a new earth. The Bible even tells us exactly how it's going to happen. Something's going to happen to our sun. It's going to quit shining. And of course, you know that'd be the end of the earth. And apparently, you know, when that happens, I don't know, supernova, whatever's going to happen, enough heat's going to be generated till the very surface is going to melt. I'm glad I'm saved. Anybody here glad you're saved? I'm glad I'm saved. Not, not, this is not a theory. What I just described to you is in the Bible in a dozen places. It will happen. It's just a matter of time. It's happening. Jesus didn't die for the planet. He died for the people. You. Me. Come on, can you say amen? Jesus gave his life. He shed his blood for you. For me. So never would he be involved in trying to convince you that you're an empty-headed, worthless idiot. Who would do that? That's the devil. The devaluer, the debaser. Now, go with me to, uh, what is it, First, Th- First Thessalonians, I think it is. No, First Timothy, excuse me. First Timothy 4. First Timothy 4, verse 12. It says, let no man despise your youth. But be an example of the believers in word, conversation, love, spirit, faith, purity. Timothy, obviously, was a younger individual. He was a a youth, young. And the Spirit of God, not just Paul, but the Spirit of God through Paul, said, don't let anybody despise you because you're young. Now, how would that work? That would be somebody trying to convince Timothy he could not do the job. He couldn't be the pastor, the leader, he couldn't do the spiritual work because he's too young and too inexperienced and too ignorant and too this and that. And and the Spirit of God said, don't let anybody do that to you. Titus 2.15 says it again, let no man despise you. And some years ago I thought when I heard this, "How how can I keep somebody from despising me? If they want to 
think ill of me and despise me. How can I keep them from doing that? And then I I realized eventually that's not what he's telling you. I, I can't control what that other person thinks or says about me. But I don't have to receive their valuation of me for me. Come on, can you see this? I don't have to, just because they think little of me, doesn't mean I have to think little of me. Just because they call me a name, or slander me, or demean me, doesn't mean I have to see myself through their eyes. I can still value myself, even though they don't value me. That'll make you secure. That'll make you strong. That'll make you usable. Can you see the Spirit? Why the Spirit of God is saying, don't let anybody do that. And they say, you can't do that. You had not been this and you had not been in school and you had not been in the ministry and you're so young and you don't know. He's saying, don't let that get in you. What should Timothy be saying? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. My age got nothing to do with it. God's bigger than all that and everything I need, he has given me. And they may just look at me and think, you know, young and wet behind the ears. But that ain't how God sees me. And it's not how I see me. (laughs) Say it out loud. Let no man despise you. You know, uh, my dad, my granddad, uh, traders from the country. Oh, man. Trading cars, trading tractors. Trading mules and horses and cows and you name it. Trader. And oh, brother. I mean, a trade could last for weeks. You offer the person a low, low, low price. And then they scoff and holler and carry on. And then you tell them that's not worth this. You try to convince them it's not worth any more than that. And they try to convince you it sure is worth a whole lot more than that. And then when you get to the place where they won't come down on the price anymore, then you get them to throw something else in. <laughs> and all the tricks of the trade <laughs> and I mean my my granddad and my dad champion traders and I'd picked up a lot of, and finally the Lord had to deal with me eventually uh, because I, and I did get some amazing deals but the Lord said son you have to care how the other fella comes out too I thought wow really <laughs> I have to care that they come out good too in the deal and, and you know one day I knew he I know he did this just to help me with this uh, I was doing business with the brother and it was an expensive deal. It was a, a good bit of money involved. And the Lord dealt with me, go back and tell him you want to pay him $10,000 more than what he asked you for that. <laughs> really? <laughs> hmm. And I did, and he, uh, he was on the phone when I told him and he just quiet. He said, uh, Brother Keith, nobody's ever done that before. <laughs> and it was a witness to him. But it helped break me from trying to squeeze. What? Too quiet in here. You can feel people going. <laughs> from trying to squeeze the last dollar or penny out of it. You should care about how the other guy is coming out. Not just care about money. That's another sermon another day. But the reason I brought it up is because of the trading trick is to offer a ridiculously low price and try to convince the person that it's not worth any more than that. But if you're a good trader, you don't let that phase you at all. And if they offer you $2.50 for your car, 
You don't go, oh, well, if you say so. You know your car's worth 20000 30000 you You're not crazy. You can say, well, I'll, I'll give you 10 bucks for it right here, right now. I got the cash in my hand. Well, <laughs> it's a $30,000 car. No. How many say if you got any sense, you don't just take what they offer you and say, well, yeah, but that's what it's worth. That's all it ain't worth a dime more than 10 bucks. It's a 2005 such and such. Well, I don't care. It's, you know, uh, the economy and da 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 da. And I got a guy here that will, uh, what's that word again I was looking for? Appraise it. He'll appraise it. And and here's the appraisal he signed. He said it ain't worth a dime over 10 bucks. (laughs) Are you a fool? Come on, help me out. Are you a fool? Do you have to take 10 bucks for for your car? Well, then why would you have to take somebody's distorted, perverted, ignorant estimation of you just because they said that's what you're worth. Hmm? Because they cussed you. Because they said you're an empty-headed idiot. Because they said you're a failure and you mess up and you'll never amount to anything. Da-da-da-da-da-da. That's like telling you that your $100,000 car is worth 10 bucks. Do you have to accept it? Do you have to sell it for that? Do you ever have to sell it for that? Is there any reason for you ever ever consider taking 10 bucks for your $100,000 car? Come on, help me out. Is there? No, no, absolutely no, never, never no. So why should you get all upset? You get all bent out of shape and go, yeah, but they told me I was just worth 10 bucks. 10 bucks. That's all I'm worth is 10 bucks. What are you crying about? Why? What are you crying about? How would they know what you're worth? What makes them an expert on your value? Why should you take it to heart so much? Well, yeah, but you hear what they call me? They call me an empty-headed idiot. An idiot. Oh, gross idiot. I'm not an idiot. I'm not an idiot. I don't think I'm an idiot. Why would they say I'm an idiot? Maybe I am an idiot. Oh, you're in trouble. You're, the devil will come. And he'll get on you and say, well, why? No wonder they said you're an idiot. They're not the only ones. Why do you think they said you're an idiot? They heard that from somebody else. In fact, everybody around you thinks you're an idiot. They're just too nice to tell you. No, yeah. No, yeah. Yeah. And then, oh, the devil's tricky like this. He will deal with people to use that very word and not even know. People that run their mouth all the time don't even know what they're saying. And they'll say it, and you'll hear it at the wrong place in the wrong time. And the devil's going, see there? Confirmation. I told you, everybody thinks you're an idiot. Everybody does. And then if you are not smart, you'll go pile up in the bed and cover your head and go, everybody hates me, and I just don't know why. I try to be a good person, but I guess I must be. If everybody thinks I'm an idiot, I guess I'm just an idiot. And you're a slobbering Kleenex wasting mess. <laughs> and it's your own fault. Now it's bad that they said it. And it's bad that they yielded to it. But it's your fault. That you let them tell you. That your $100,000 car was worth $10. And you believed it. And you're going to sit down and cry about it. What is something really worth. Actually worth. I don't care whether you're talking about a pocket knife or a rocket ship. It's worth what somebody will pay for it. 
That's the bottom line. It's worth what they'll pay. Well, no, it's a, you know, they, they only paid so much for it, but it was worth a lot more than that. Not to them, it wasn't. Yeah, but they appraised it for da 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 da. That doesn't mean a thing. It's only worth what somebody is willing to pay for. And you see some this painting that you can't make heads or tails out of, and somebody paid five million dollars for it, you say, ain't no way that thing is worth five million. Obviously it was worth it to them. They traded that five million bucks for that piece of canvas. It was worth it to them. You can't say it wasn't worth it. Maybe not worth it to you, but it was worth it to them. What determines the value of anything is what someone is willing to pay for it. What was paid for you? Come on, listen to me, saints. The devil has tried to convince you since you were old enough to walk and talk and understand anything. That you were dumb, that you're fat, that you're too skinny, that you're too ugly. Your eyes are too far apart, they're too close together. Your nose is too long, it's too short, it's too flat, it's too narrow. Your hair's this, you're that, you're the other. Everything designed to devalue you in your own eyes. The way you carried yourself, the way you talk. People, uh, and even kids and teenagers saying stupid things. They didn't even know why they said it. It just come across their mind and they just said it and you took it to heart. And you let it scar you and you let it affect you. And the bottom line is it makes you feel less. Less significant, less important. And if you listen to the devil, he will convince you that you are a waste of space. People would be better off if you weren't even around. You are just a burden and a problem and you just have nothing to offer and you're just soaking up and wasting resources. You are basically an empty headed, worthless, idiot blankety blank blank. But the next time any kind of a measure of that kind of thought comes to you you get up in the devil's face and you say well I want to know If I'm so cheap and worthless, why did God, the creator of the universe, pay the highest price that's ever been paid for anything for me? I'm not talking about a million dollars. I'm not talking about a billion dollars. I'm not talking about a trillion dollars. The Bible said gold and silver wouldn't buy you. There's not enough gold and silver. There's not enough money. In all the planet or in all the planets. To buy one human soul. The Bible says the value of it ceases forever. There's not enough money. But there was one thing. And one thing only. In all time and eternity in the universe. That was worth enough. To buy human beings. It was and is. The precious. Spotless. Blood of the lamb. Because he had not a human father. And the blood that flowed in his veins had the very Zoe life of the Creator in it. Oh, hallelujah. And he paid every drop of it and gave it for you and for me to purchase us, to buy us. It shows that our value in his eyes exceeds every planet, every mountain, every ocean, everything it's ever made. We are the apple of his eye. We are the most precious thing God himself has. Is us. Glory to God. 
So the devil starts telling you you're cheap and you don't matter anything and you don't matter. Just know he's a liar. Why is he saying it? Because he's the one that is devalued. He's the one. He had a place and he lost it. And he's the way that he's the one that's on his way to hell and he resents us. He envies us because we are the very children of the most high. And we're going to be with God forever and ever. And we're the most precious thing that he has. So no wonder he tries to cuss us and despise us and tries to convince us of these lies. Somebody say, I don't believe it. I don't believe it. I won't receive it. I won't let anybody despise me, devalue me. Doesn't matter what they think or what they say. I know what God gave for me. I know how He values me. That gives me my worth. Hallelujah. It's not performance based. It's not accomplishment based. (laughs) It's price already been paid for. (laughs) Based. Somebody say thank you Lord. Stand on your feet everybody. Glory, glory. Lift up your hands and thank him. Thank the master for paying such a price. For valuing you and me like he had. Oh thank you Lord. Oh thank you Lord. Oh thank you Lord. Oh thank you. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Close your eyes and pray this out loud after me. Say it out loud, Father God, I worship you. You are my God. I love you with all my heart. Thank you for loving me, creating me, letting me live, redeeming my life from destruction, from hell. Thank you, Lord, loving me so much, paying so much for me, causing me to know how you value me. Forgive me forever letting the devil use my mouth, my tongue, my words to pierce anybody, to hurt anybody, to curse, to devalue to demean, to debase, I judge all that. It's sin. It's ungodly. It's devilish. I want no part of it. I ask you to forgive me and set a watch at the door of my mouth in the days to come. Check me. Alert me ever so strongly Lest I say a thing that is hurtful and demeaning and not of you. And I ask you, use me more than in the past to speak words of life. A word, a good word in due season to him or her that is weary or weak. Speak through me a word of love, a word of encouraging, a word of comforting, a word of strengthening, a word of life and joy and victory. I make myself available and I'll yield to you in this regard. Thank you 
for using me. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.